It's time for the weekly Peacock and Williamson mailbag. A lot of questions about the top of the NFL draft, draft prospects, where they could go. How do you team build? What does it mean when you're drafting an NFL quarterback and maybe another landing spot for Lamar Jackson on today's Peacock and Williamson? NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. That's where most of the questions are coming from on today's episode. You can also drop a question anytime you want on the brand new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel and make sure you are subscribed up there. Hit the thumbs up and the notification bell and all that stuff. So you know when we got a new podcast coming. And Matt, we I think it's time. I think we're really due to do a live YouTube episode. Oh, yeah. As well. Good call. So, and get some of y'all in the chat and get a little live uh, mailbag going. Who knows? Maybe next week's mailbag. We'll do it. We'll do it live. But today we've got a lot of great questions. Uh, it's funny, Matt. We were talking off the air. No matter how much we talk about quarterbacks on this podcast, and then we think, ah, you know, we got let's avoid quarter, quarterback talk this week. We talked so much about it. And what? Nine out of ten questions in the mailbag is about <laughs> quarterbacks. Right. Because if you don't have a quarterback for your team, you're looking for one. And it is always fascinating with the different way teams you know, build their roster and, and it starts with the quarterback. And with that, the question number one today from Josh, who is also known as the Jerry Rice of question askers, <laughs> uh, talking about another team that really hasn't been mentioned a lot as it pertains to Lamar Jackson and jumping into that. And Josh says, what about the Vikings for Lamar? The Vikings could feel like they have maxed out Kirk Cousins potential and just need a little bit more to get over the top, to get out of that, what we've always called with the with the Vikings is that QB purgatory where they're good, not great team, but not bad enough to to get one of those top lottery picks at a quarterback at the top of the draft. It's an interesting fit. I mean, I always think about Lamar in a dome. I mean, like he's just gonna be that much faster, and you know that's a good run blocking line, and there are weapons in place, Hawkinson and of course Jefferson. Would they get the ball to Jefferson as much as you like? Probably not as much as they do now, and he's a franchise-type player. Um, would O'Connell, you know, the second-year head coach, is this a type of quarterback he would be in for? I mean, he has Patriot roots. He inherited Cousins. I just don't know the answer to that. It's not a yes or a no. I, I, I don't know what he thinks about that for, you know, 100%. But – the problem is you'd have to dump Cousins first. I mean, you can't handle both those contracts. I mean, is there a market for Cousins? Well, they'll take some or most or, or you know of that of that contract, and then you make the deal. You know, with the with the Ravens on Cousins in return. I bet not, considering only renting him for a year. Yeah, and maybe it would be a stopgap situation for the Ravens, but you know, it would hit the salary cap, and then uh, it, it looks like the Vikings are just prepared to to play this out with cousins and the way they've redone his contract. I think cousins now has after restructures, I think he has four void years. So he's going into the last oh, year of his okay. contract, but to make that, to keep that cap number down for them this year, he's got void years through, I think like 2028 or something like that, <laughs> where they're still going to be paying, you know, some sort of cap hit for Kirk cousins to not mm -hmm. be on the roster, but it's tough for an NFL team that doesn't have a quarterback next year. And usually teams are looking at least in three-year windows. They've got to have a, an idea of what they want to do in the future at quarterback. You don't just say, okay, he's going to play out his contract, and then 
Who knows? Shrug your shoulders. You got to have a plan there. So is it a veteran? Is it, are they just going to go into the draft next year and try to find a guy really interesting with the Vikings, what their plan is. And it's hard to see what that is right now. When you've got a starting quarterback going into the last year of his deal, and it doesn't feel like it's going to be a long-term thing with cousins on the next contract in Minnesota. Any chance you could see them moving up to eight for a falling quarterback, or I know there's Levis and Herndon hooker questions here that we've been asked over the last 24 hours. If Levis does indeed fall, do they pounce on him and love him? Does do you consider hooker in round one, like DJ Adam going? I, I think the more, the more that I look at it, I think, something like Levis falling or mm-hmm. falling close enough to where they could go get a quarterback in the draft is we just laid out the scenario. If you don't have a quarterback next year, you've got a veteran quarterback right now. It's the perfect stopgap situation to get Levis in, let him sit for a year. He's played a lot of football already. I like the quarterbacks to sit that have already played a lot of football. Uh, I like it's harder for me to envision team building wise with Anthony Richardson, because it's like, okay, he's not ready to play. So you got to sit him but he needs mm-hmm. to play. So you get into this right, right, right. and the 49ers have seen this with Trey Lance. The things, the thing he needs the most is reps, but if you're not ready to play, you can't, you get, can't get those reps yet. And you get in this weird cycle for a, for a quarterback, like we saw with uh, Patrick Mahomes and people always say, well, Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. It's like, that was completely different. He played a ton of football. He needed to get his mind wrapped around an NFL offense instead of the air. Right. He had the the football. The reps wasn't the problem. It was just new concepts, new style of play for him. And it totally helped him to sit behind, you know, cause he was sort of a wild stallion. People forget how wild he was coming out of college with the way he played sitting yeah. behind Alex Smith is like the perfect situation looking back on it for someone like like Patrick Mahomes and with Andy Reid and sitting behind that and seeing the guy who checks it down and just does things really by the book in his offense that probably helped him so much and Kirk Cousins is that same style of player right so that would help probably tame some of the rough edges on someone like Will Levis I think that's probably the underrated thing we're not talking about is the Minnesota Vikings in the draft finding their next guy. And they've got a perfect one more year of a, a really good, you know, competent quarterback for that young player to learn behind. That's really well said, you know, cause sure they could go defense. They could add another receiver to compliment Jefferson, but they don't have ridiculous needs. You know, I mean, they can live with their own line. They have some pieces in place. Um, that's a great landing spot for me for Levis, maybe for Hooker too. I mean, I could understand both. I mean, Hooker needs to sit because of injuries either way, but that's well said about Mahomes. I mean, are Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins going to the Hall of Fame? No, but they started a lot of games. They're professional, stable quarterbacks. There's a ton to learn from them. They know when to hold them, when to fold them. You know, they know how to win games, how to manage games. And, you know, people talk about Mahomes' rookie year, like, Everyone in the building that was at practice knew that he was a special talent. I mean, like that, anyone with eyes saw that at practice every day. But he didn't know. I mean, he's been interviewed since. He didn't know basic concepts. I mean, really basic route combinations and things like that. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't take a snap from center. You know, right, right, right. On air raid, it's so different, especially going into sort of a West Coast terminology offense. And there can't be, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're in college and you're sitting there in shotgun all day and you look at the sideline and you look at pictures of, you know, Mickey Mouse and, you know, whatever (laughs) on the sideline, like, cool. And you go and and you, uh, I can't imagine how much difficulty that is for a young quarterback to jump into then like these super long play calls west coast right. terminology in the nfl taking snaps from center different footwork so much going on uh everything's condensed instead of spread out for you 
on the road against Vic Fangio's mind, you know, just toying with you. (laughs) Belichick, you know. And it's already hard enough for that that transition. So, you know, anything that makes it an extra level of, of difficulty for a transition is going to be tough. And so, uh, and it's, it's where the, the Parcells thing sort of comes in. It's like, man, those red shirt sophomores, those one year starters, it's difficult. So you need to play and uh, it makes the development a little bit more difficult for some quarterbacks. And when you look at situations, Levis and the Vikings might be one of the best fits I can think of in the, NFL. I was thinking that too. And it back to Mahomes. people forget the chiefs were a playoff team and traded up, a handful of spots, like you said. They didn't like, trade to one. From 20s to 20-something to 10, right? Is Something that in that neighborhood, yeah. They moved up the next year's first. I mean, they didn't mortgage the future to no, you know, no end. But they weren't a bad football team. And I think a huge key, too, was I know it's only one game, but they had the opportunity to put Mahomes in what was then week 17, you know, and play a meaningless game. And then it felt good enough that offseason, okay, we'll move on from Smith at that point because we know this guy has to see the field. He's incredibly talented, and he actually got in a real stadium. So we learned a little bit more too, you know? There's also a connection with Levis, the more I think about it, with with so the, the Vikings coaching staff uh, philosophies came from the Rams, and there's that McVay – Shanahan umbrella that tree Mm -hmm. that's really growing and it's about a quarter of the offenses now in the NFL comes from that tree but also Levis has been involved in that and there's been coaches that coached him from that tree at Kentucky and in college there might be a lot of inside knowledge there and it might be an easier transition for him because he's had some of that terminology uh in 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 his college game even though you know it didn't look great last year um you know better talent on his team would probably help him so that is a very interesting one i I would definitely lean hard toward more like a levis in game for the the minnesota vikings than someone like lamar jackson yeah i mean otherwise we can have this conversation next year you know i mean we're we're not going to bring cousins back we'll go get Next year's Derek Carr or Aaron Rod, you know, whoever's on the move that's a veteran, but I would rather have the insurance plan of let's do, see what Levis can do for a year or Hooker or somebody like that. And I have my doubts about both those guys, but that's an ideal landing spot for them. And you said, you know, he already sort of speaks the language. You know, he's an eighth grade English student that's going to have to be a master in English as opposed to learning Chinese. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, in right. first grade. And, you know. and not the pressure of, oh, you were drafted top four and you're right. the guy day one you know and, and, mm-hmm. and i think that can help as and well justin jefferson helps <laughs> yeah. levis we've right. got questions about will levis as a prospect we got questions about hendon hooker in this draft i think two of the biggest question marks of where they could go in the draft at quarterback and uh one more about the patriots we talked yesterday about the pats lamar jackson another quarterback name for the new england patriots Ooh. next Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Love the website interface. Love the app interface. Could not be easier to find your bets and, and build your own bets. Then you can start betting on everything. Money line, point scores, threes drain. Major League Baseball is now going every day all summer long. And, of course, those tasty, tasty NFL draft props. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout 
with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So from Shauna here asking us a question and in referencing yesterday's podcast, we talked a lot about the Patriots and if they're really shopping Mac Jones hard and, and what's their end game. Is it Bailey Zappian going into the draft? Could they be a landing spot for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson trading up? You know, is a lot of movement, a lot of possibilities to be close to the NFL draft, Matt, uh, which makes this so much fun. And we talked about, OK, it makes sense. They're going to go get Lamar in New England to gear up for Aaron Rodgers and and Josh Allen and and that division in the AFC East. But what if it's not Lamar? What if it's sure. Aaron Rodgers? Wow. Bill's like, you're going to drag your feet, Jets? I'm going to steal Yeah, I'm like, well, you're leaving the door open here. I'm going to at least drive the price up for you, and I'm not going to let you get a Hall of Fame quarterback for free. If anybody's getting a Hall of Fame quarterback for free, it's going to be me. That angle's so awesome. So <laughs> it's the first I've ever thought of it, you know, so I'm totally, uh, you know, uh, reacting right this minute. I, Matt, and I got to say, I'm disappointed in us for not thinking about this angle of it yesterday. It's so Belichick. So, appreciate you, Shana, for bringing that up. Just here, take our first round pick. If that's your sticking point, take it. I, you, I, we'll take Rogers. We'll send you Mac Jones too, whatever. Or Mac can learn from Rogers and we'll heal all wounds or whatever. So my immediate thought is some history, to be honest with you, because didn't this just happen? Didn't isn't that how Belichick got hired? Didn't he commit to the Jets and then pulled the rug out from under him and went yes. to the Patriots and won a million Super Bowls and in the division and like then like thirty million years oh. ago? But isn't that the history of the Belichick you know lineage from Giants D coordinator? Like I think he committed to be the Jets head coach. Yes, yes, yeah. And maybe and, even and had a press out. conference. And and then the Jets ended up with Pete Carroll, right? I think so. And then Pete Carroll. Because Carroll was at the Patriots, too. Like, I'm confused to the whole timeline of it oh, all. No, no, but... no. Yeah, Pete Carroll. But anyway, yeah, the Jets somehow messed it all up because Pete Carroll's winning Super Bowls over here. Bill Belichick's winning Super Bowls over there. And the Jets were <laughs> right, right. inept for 20 years. And I know this ship has sailed, but for much of my media career, I've been a Rodgers is better than Brady guy. You know, when I'm talking five years ago, you know, pre-Jordan Love, you know, and my thoughts were, okay, Brady, I mean, we know a lot more now. Brady moved on to Tampa. Rodgers has won MVP since, you know, Jordan Love was drafted, yada, yada. But I remember many times early, you know, since I left ESPN saying, are we certain? What if Belichick, I used to say this, close your eyes and pretend Rodgers is Belichick's quarterback and it's not Brady. And I'm talking like seven, eight years ago. So that ship sailed a little, but I often said that back in the day, like, yeah, Brady and Belichick are awesome together, but I think Brady and or Belichick and Rodgers would be even better. It, 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 there would certainly be multiple Super Bowls involved. I, yes, I don't know how yeah. it would have looked. It could have been even better. It's hard to imagine it'd be even better. But Physically, Rodgers was more right. talented. And look, for, for the kids out there that don't remember – what Rodgers in his prime was and how he was talked about. It's basically how we're talking about Patrick Mahomes right now after Rodgers Absolutely. won the Super Bowl, right? Right. In that era, this was the big thing I always said about Rodgers is of all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the best 20 quarterbacks that have ever lived, and this still holds true for his career, nobody has a better highlight tape in Canton 
I mean, including Brady. Like, give me your hundred best plays. Now Mahomes is the same, this guy too, but Mahomes didn't exist back then. And nobody has a better low light tape than Rodgers. You know, like he has no bad plays. Yeah, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Right. It's a pretty and good combination. Belichick would have liked that. There's some low lights for some of the prospects in this NFL draft at quarterback, Matt. And yeah. um the the hit rate isn't great for quarterbacks, but you got to keep going back to it because you got to hit your guy. And the sometimes the you know, Josh Josh Allen didn't had a lot of low lights as well at Wyoming and his first mm-hmm. couple years in the NFL became a superstar. So you gotta you gotta you gotta swing. And you got to find a quarterback. And uh, right now, we're seeing just a, a ridiculously physically talented quarterbacks are the ones that are that seem to be hitting in the NFL. And Will Levis has that kind of arm, right? He has that kind of body, arm yeah. talent, and right, yeah, right. and body. Uh, so the question here from CC Ryder on Twitter is: There are reports that Will Levis has unimpressed in interviews. If he falls, who takes him? Double dip. Why are the Steelers visiting with so many interior offensive linemen? Uh, with so many other needs, love the show. So Steelers fan, smart by CC Ryder, putting a non-Steelers question. Yes. Trying to get a Steelers question answered as well, because what we do, Matt, and I cover the 49ers, you cover the Steelers. We get so many 49ers and Steelers questions that we usually push those aside and look for the other <laughs> questions because those teams naturally just come up as, as we talk about teams. So we're not going to talk about interior offensive linemen for the Steelers, so, so, so apologies there, CC Ryder. I'll but, give him 10 seconds. I have no clue why they're bringing in Osiris Torrance after signing guard after guard after guard. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So that's all I can doing, address. Doing work, or maybe a, a little schadenfreude, maybe trying to throw off some teams, right? They don't I, need a guard. So with the reports with Will Levis, and, and we talked about the uh, the Patriots possibly and the Minnesota mm-hmm. Vikings possibly being a good landing spot for Will Levis, I think he's going to fall out of that top four area. Um but where he'll land, I don't know. And once you start to fall, we've seen teams go up and get those quarterbacks near the top 10 once they do get out of the, the, the first few picks and it starts to get a little bit cheaper. Teams in the 20s can go up for a future first and go get a quarterback. Um, but as far as the reports go, it's lying season. And so I've heard people say, oh, man, Will Levis is great in interviews. He's media savvy. He's so good on the podium and all this. And, and then I've heard – uh, oh, Anthony Richardson was amazing. Such a great kid. And everyone loved him in the interview process. And Will Levis had a, you know, uh, w- was uh, was not good in the interview process and, and felt like he's entitled and all this stuff. So I don't know what to think. And, I, you know, a lot of the stuff is put out there by agents. And if it's not put out there by agents, it's put out there as lies by the team. So I don't even really want to. Leave when it comes to <laughs> the Vikings like, are putting that out there. So he falls to Minnesota. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah, they, the that Vikings kind of stuff, are like, right? oh. Hated Will Levis. He's terrible. Worst guy ever. So I actually have a little insight on this. Everyone's got a reason to leak it. And you, if you're a team, you're not going to leak good information on the player you want to draft. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm glad you bring up lying season almost every podcast because I can fall into the tidal wave too. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really need to put the reservoir on. You know, I mean, put it, it, it is lying season and it's growing at a rapid rate. And nothing's happening around the league in terms of moves, but they're leaking things on purpose, of course. That being said, I I hope people know me well enough by now. I'm almost 50 years old, and basically for half of my life I've been doing this. And I'm as least shock jockey or reporter as you're going to get. But I've never brought this up. But in the last two weeks or so, I got third-hand information. You know, I mean, nobody told me this directly that sat down with Will Levis, but... They had no reason to tell me, and I didn't ask. And 
they said the same thing and that his interviews were not impressive. And the way it was described to me is kind of how you said it was he blamed everybody else for his and Kentucky struggles as opposed to, you know, he blamed his injuries, those around him system. And maybe he's right. He had injuries and bad people around him, but nobody wants to hear it. You know, just take one on the chin and be like, it was all my fault. I, I had the best receivers in the league and my injuries weren't a problem. I should have been better. Maybe he's a swell guy and just told the truth. But that's what I heard, too, was people didn't come across impressed with his one-on-one meetings with teams for that reason. And, you know, it should be lying season for prospects, too, because that might be the truth. Yeah. But you just can't say it. Just don't say it. Right. Yeah. It was all my fault. I, I I didn't play well enough. We should have been 12-0 and at Kentucky. We should have beat Bama and LSU, but it was my fault, you know. So no idea where to place Will Levis in the draft. I do have a – I do feel like I would put him between 11 and – and 20. I feel like that's the spot. Yeah. Does he get past Minnesota or Tampa or one of those type of teams? I bet not. Like, I don't think he falls the second round. Or, or you know, a team trades up and, and gets him in that you know, fifth you year know, late, window, late top 10 era area, you know, pick seven, but a team comes up or, you know, mm-hmm. eight or nine or 10 team comes up. But, you know, Titans at 11 is where you start to be like, okay, I, I don't know how much more how much further he's going to fall. He's too physically talented and, you know, better 2021 tape to, to fall out of the first round, I would think, but you know, you never know. And I've got a question about Hendon hooker. It's even more difficult to place him. Michael says is Hendon hooker, a sneaky good candidate for green Bay in either round two or trading up to the end of round one. And, and I don't know, I don't know where you think about Hendon hooker. I think you're higher on him than me. I would probably bet right now, just because, I've just the, the way you follow the draft and, and knowing what Hendon Hooker is as a prospect, you have to really love a guy and think he's your going to be a franchise quarterback to draft him in round one. I would probably put money that he, he gets drafted closer to round three than round one. That's okay. why I'm at Hendon Hooker, but I've seen him in the first round of mocks for some pretty smart people that are plugged in. Right. I mean, DJ knows his stuff and he always does mocks. He says with his ears, not his eyes, you know what I mean? He does his top 50 with his eyes, not his ears. Makes perfect sense. I love the way he phrases that. One quick Levis note before we talk hooker is many people, and I used to do this too, I used to lump Richardson and Levis together. There's the top two, then there's those two. I don't feel that way at all anymore. My my thoughts on Richardson are going up, 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 up. I adore him. I like him better and better, where my thoughts on Richardson are going down, 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 down. You know, like I, I think that they both um, won't I'm Levis. On Levis, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Richardson might go third. I think Levis might go to the Vikings or the Bucks or a team like that or a trade-up from the team that missed him early in the first round, get back in the first round. I don't know what to think about Hooker. I, I almost put Hooker over Levis in my rankings, but part of that's because Levis is dropping. But when you study Hooker, he's overaged, which I don't have a huge problem with a quarterback because – they can play till they're 35 or 38, you know, but they are playing against guys that are younger than them. And you could argue that it's a much better indicator of coming in and playing well than, you know, the the younger, more talent, physically talented guys can tend to struggle. So playing a mm-hmm. lot of college football is not a bad thing for a prospect at quarterback. You want young breakout age for other positions, but at quarterback, playing a lot of football is good. So you just it evaluate is. the player. And if he played a lot of football, it's probably even better in a lot of cases. He has a major injury, you know, but he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. So even if your starter gets hurt or you start out 0-3, you might not be able to put Hooker in there if it's a disaster season until late in the year or next year. 
But maybe what worries me most is the more you study that offense, it's nothing at all like the pros. I mean, it's they were in like two routes. It's like Baylor, Corey Coleman era stuff. You know, like it's very simplistic. Go routes to Jalen Hyatt. So if you're already old and injured and you're going to have a bigger learning curve in terms of what you're doing compared to what they're asked, you might be 30 before you know it. You know what I mean? Right, which is why that's just a bad combination yeah. for a draft prospect. Doesn't mean he's not going to be good in the NFL, but I'm just talking about where he's drafted and how confident a team is drafting him. That's why I would put him – and look, I liked Ritter better last year. He went in round three and with so many teams needing quarterbacks. Right. And, and I like I think Desmond Ritter was a better – NFL prospect than Hendon Hooker is right now. So uh, that's why I think that in the, at the end of the day, I, I would bet on him being closer to round three than someone jumping into round one to grab him. The logic is, though, if you do love him and it only takes one team, maybe him more than others, you want that fifth-year option because year one is going to be basically scrapped. You know what I mean? Like, and Otherwise, if you take him in this late in the second round, He's probably sitting behind some. Well, he's definitely sitting in year one. And then you get three years to evaluate him if things go swimmingly, you know. Uh, real quick, though, if I were the Falcons and a genie came out of the bottle and said, I'll swap you, you know, hooker for Ritter, I would say no. Good question about slot receivers, tight ends, the value in the current NFL marketplace. And one more question about quarterbacks. What do you expect to get from drafting a high quarterback and Jalen Carter's bust potential to finish up today's Peacock and Williamson mailbag? Thank you so much, everybody, for being involved in the Peacock and Williamson mailbag and making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network for your second listen. Check out the Draft Dudes Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You know the Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino do great work taking you through everything, team building, draft, free agency, uh, every day, Monday through Friday. Find it on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, next. Here we go. Uh, this question is from last last quarterback question here. This is from Jason, and he says, I'm curious to know how much premium you place on the quarterback at the top of the draft. What is the lowest level of current NFL starters you would take at, say, pick number three or number four? Dak, Carr, Cousins, Tua, et cetera. So basically Jason's saying if you could look into the future and know mm -hmm. what you're getting out of your quarterback that you're the Colts drafting, say, at pick number four, would you draft – Derek Carr's career with the fourth pick. You're getting a long-term NFL starter. Is that good enough? Or are you, are you really expecting to get more? Not hoping, but expecting to get more out of that number four pick. I think I would go fish, take door number two, as opposed to Cousins or Carr's career at four. Wouldn't be the end of the world, especially during the rookie deal, you know, because you could do so much stuff around them. Year three of Derek Carr, Cousins is pretty good, and you're going to get the best receiver on the – you're going to trade for A.J. Brown, you know, like because you can have that kind of capability. Yes. Um, He mentioned Tua, and isn't Tua the definition of that? He was what, the fifth pick of the draft? He yeah, he was the fifth pick in the draft. Dolphin fans, would you take it or would you go fish, go mammal, well, you know? They, you know? Would, they would probably go fish and for uh, Justin Herbert, who went the very next pick. Sure. Like um, the Chargers are happy. Finns fans, would you take what you know right now from Tua? Not in, in a lieu of Herbert, just is that good enough for what you paid for him? Right. That's a great question. Dak, I think, is a better one because I think Dak's a yes for me. Uh, that's, you know, that's what you're hoping to get. Franchise quarterback worth a $40 million contract that's the guy, the face, selling a lot of jerseys. I don't think Carr and Cousins are on the Dak level no. as far as, you know, being the franchise quarterback. And we've seen that because they've been on two different teams. 
honestly, if I were the Panthers and you asked me with the first pick overall, I get Dak's career. I'm in. That's a tough one. That, Number one, trading all that. I would, I would want more. It's a different conversation with the Colts at four because they didn't have to spend sure. three first round picks, you know, for that for player, her. and they just they just drafted the player. So one first round pick, yes. Three first round picks, I want more. So last year the Steelers took Kenny Pickett at twenty. Would you be comfortable saying you drafted Carr or Cousins with that pick? That's not four. That's not one. Oh, yeah, that. So that's. that's I would. Yeah. I, to make that pick, I would expect more, I think, because I'll go Carr and Cousins are you can get Carr and Cousins. Right, exactly. Right. The, you know, those like are available. To... Those are out there. Now having having Carr or Cousins on a rookie contract versus paying thirty million dollars a year for him is, is better. And you get to cultivate that player. Maybe you get more, squeeze more out of the rag. But Carr was a second rounder, cousins was a fourth rounder. They're they've been available on the free agent market. I would say I want I would say I want more. And mm-hmm. if I could look in the future and say this is Derek Carr, I would say that's cool. Not a bad pick. It's not a bust of a pick. You're not unhappy in the end, but I would say, oh, I'll wait, you know, I'll, I'll, let's do something else and see because I think we, there's other ways to get a car or cousins. So to bring the the podcast full circle, Levis falls to the Vikings, they draft him, and he turns into exactly Kirk Cousins. Are they happy? I say no. They, they got a cheaper go version of the same guy. So is that worth a first round pick? Because now you, yes, could, draft, you could go but... sign uh, the best free agent on the market in an off season. Mm-hmm. Plus you have Kirk Cousins. So that's better than Cousins. No, yeah, well, it is. And he's younger and he's cheaper. Mm-hmm. But I still think if they, if Levis falls to the Vikings and the genie comes out of the bottle and says he's going to have the exact same career as Kirk Cousins, maybe win Super Bowl, maybe doesn't. But he's going to be that level player. Would you take it? I'd still say, ah, I'm looking at door number two. Joy Bag of Donuts says, is it me or Jalen Carter look like he's going to be a massive bust? Only it's from the head up, and I don't know the young man. Yeah, it's it's too hard to know. Um, the there have been guys that did weird stuff before the draft, turned out to be superstar players. Mm-hmm. You, it, it, the question for me in the end here would be talking to all the coaches, like, is this dude right, right, right. a glass eater? Then I'm going to draft him. And if he's not, uh, I would not touch him. And, and, and almost everyone in the league has a Georgia guy that's been a teammate on their team, probably. Right. Know? Yeah. There's a lot of people that know <laughs> right. Jalen Carter. Uh, right. Go and, ask Trevon Walker or George Pickens or whoever, you know. Last one here. And this is from Shantanu on Twitter saying, Hey, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, with some of the Steelers' top 30 visits, good way to, way to work in the Steelers. It's not a Steelers. Yeah, nice son. Nice son. Um, a lot of top 30 visits being slot possession style receivers. I wanted to ask about them. We've seen those receivers value and free agency get devalued. Could you explain why a team would carry a receiver like that over a tight end? Well, Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver. Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver. The wide part kind of skews it, but they don't do tight end things. They're big slots. And I think that's what the league is after. You know, you kind of mix in the Steelers there a little bit. They wanted Claypool to be that guy. He couldn't be, you know, because I think the Mike Hiltons of the world are getting phased out. I think the Welkers of the world are getting phased out a little. That if you can be big there and help you run the ball a little bit with some semblance of a blocker as opposed to what Wondell Robinson gives you as a blocker or have teams count him as a tight end and put a linebacker on him, that's what you're after. 
the Evan Ingrams yeah. and you know it's yeah you get a little better matchup with the bigger slot because if they put a corner on you you still have an advantage and can run out of a basically a three wide receiver formation mm -hmm. and you have an advantage there and they're probably you know uh, probably can body up that corner even if they're not as athletic and then you put a linebacker out there now you have an advantage in the passing game mm -hmm. and you still have a, a player who could block that linebacker a little bit rather than a you know a Wes Welker and, and I would say the Wes Welkers the little slots of the world are, are so easy to find there's about a thousand in this class right um the bigger slot who's an actually really good receiver is worth more but I still think tight ends are one of the most undervalued positions in the NFL, whether no they're question. a high tight end who can block and catch the ball for you, or even the split out tight ends guys like Travis Kelsey is not getting paid nearly as much. He's not getting paid nearly as much as the top receivers in the league. And he's every bit as valuable. So uh, the best money you can spend right now, probably whether it's draft capital or dollars is on tight ends. So I, if, I'm, if I'm running an offense, give me two, two tight end sets all day long because it's the best money out there. It is. It is. Well said. Uh, last nugget is, People don't think about this, but when you game plan for a team all week, you have to have rules, you know, and the, Andy Reid knows this better than anyone. If the Chargers count Kelsey as a tight end, whenever he puts out 12 personnel, 11 personnel, well, he's going to do certain things. If they count him as a wide receiver, he's going to do different things, you know, so that really puts defensive coordinators in a bind, and that's what you're looking for. We're talking edge rushers tomorrow, Matt. We've got Matt's top five players plus honorable mentions at every position group in the 2023 NFL draft edge rushers up tomorrow. And we'll be talking a ton of draft. Uh, we'd love your questions. If there's any overflow questions, let us know on Twitter at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL or on YouTube in the comments, make sure you're subscribed to the new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel as well. And Matt and I will be back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.